Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, please welcome in Elliot Popkin, who is an award-winning singer-songwriter, a business and personal development coach, and the author of Circle, Letters to My Younger Self. In addition to his own songs, he has written music for film, television, commercials, and other artists. However, despite the success, life hasn't always been easy for Elliot. As a survivor of child abuse, he had to overcome a great deal and rediscover himself several times in order to become the man he is today. Now, Elliot is channeling the wisdom he has gained into his memoir, Circle. Elliot takes readers on a journey from his boyhood as an abused, unhappy, frightened child to adulthood, where he learned to recognize, honor, and trust all the gifts life has bestowed on him. A beautiful memoir which inspires readers on their journey of self-discovery, growth, and forgiveness. Circle is for everyone who has a dream, who has a dream, anyone who ever felt too afraid to step out in faith and execute a passion in life, and anyone who is too reserved to share their gifts with the world. And exactly why I want to have Elliot on the podcast, because it aligns so well with, you know, the Just Get Started mission and, you know, trying to lean people into uh, finding their, you know, happiness and, and a more fulfilling life. And Elliot shares a lot of great stories in this book. I was fortunate to get a digital copy prior to the interview and read through it. And my gosh, I mean, the stuff that he went through as a child is just unbelievable. You kind of have to read it to really fathom it. Um, but as he shares a lot, that perspective he had on it and what he's doing with it to help others uh, is a tremendous gift that he's given back to the world. So, I think you all will really enjoy the conversation with Elliot. I know I did. So without further ado, please welcome in Elliot Popkin. Elliot, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you on today. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, to pry into some of your journey and kind of get some insights because uh, you've had a, a very interesting, it seems like, uh, life, career, you know, those type of things. And I wanted to spend a lot of time, and by the way, congrats on on your new book, uh, I know you. that's a big undertaking to come out. So, uh, so congrats on that. Very, um, I had gotten, uh, uh, your, your team had sent over an advanced, uh, kind of digital copy and read through it and dude, really vulnerable. I mean, really vulnerable in terms of some of the depth you go through with the stories. Um, so, you know, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's something where, you know, I'm so big on perspective, like, I grew, you know, as I talk about you know, a lot, is like you know my upbringing and and you know parents and you know didn't didn't have the best parents I thought, and I realized yeah they actually were probably okay. I was just probably a punk kid and probably you know didn't know better, you know what have you. But like you went through some really tough stuff, and I, and I want to actually start with that if if it's okay, because I, sure. I want to understand as a young child how the child abuse. Um, how how that mentally shaped you, um, especially in the younger years, because I didn't go through that. So I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, and having I don't know if you have, I can't remember if you have kids or not. But I, you know, I have a nine year old now. And I and I think of doing that to my son. And I'm like, I can't even imagine doing that. So can you start off just a little bit there? Um, and we'll pry a lot deeper in the book, but just around maybe you early on as a child and going through some of those, um, some of those experiences. Elliot, I may have lost you. You're on. You're, you're coming in and out. Elliot, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Um, sorry, my that that was me. Uh, okay. my, my computer said that it um, had the connection was unstable for a moment, and that was such an amazing question. So I apologize. For I went that. on a long tangent. Well, that's fine. I'll, I could edit it in if you want to. If you want to take it, take it from there, and then we'll just I'll cut the the in between. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
And thank you for uh, your kind words. I will say, uh, so to answer your question, I don't have kids uh, myself. I'm single. Uh, part of the reason, though, <laughs> not to go too far into the story, but I think um, there was a period of time I was just very probably afraid of relationships, afraid of trusting people, afraid of getting close. Um, but that is something that I hope to uh, to have one day is my own family. But as far as um, what I went through as a child, it isn't something I'd wish on anyone. Um, when people meet me today, especially for people that have perhaps read the book, they are surprised that someone has gone through what I've gone through and I appear this Zen kind of quiet, nerdy guy, um, today, but for what I went through, I think it's very common of children that have been abused. I blamed myself. I just tried, well, maybe if I was just the best kid in the world, uh, these bad things wouldn't happen. And additionally, I think what a lot of children do is they, um, when you're in the moment and the pain is so great, you as a child have no idea how to deal with it. There's no defense mechanisms that perhaps we would learn later on as an adult. So you just kind of disassociate, you leave your body a bit. And so um, I found myself just coming through that. And then as a, a young adult, like late teenager, young adult, I mean, trying to navigate in the world and I showed some promise as a songwriter and uh, just sabotaged so many opportunities, just didn't have those life lessons that hopefully we, we, we would hope uh, we impart to each of our children about how to treat people, how to, how to be a man, how to um, communicate effectively with people. Um, and so I, I kind of just <laughs> uh, struggled a lot as a young adult because I was just trying so hard to play catch up, I think, in life. Do you feel, I mean, you know, you, you, you said you're kind of zen, do you feel like, although you wouldn't wish that on anyone, this is kind of a weird way to act it, I guess, but, you know, it's like, are you happy you went through it because it Ooh. made you who you were today? You know, like, would you, because if you don't, you know, it's, a, it's always one of those interesting perspectives because it's like, you know, if we, and, and we, let's talk on a different standpoint, like a lot of times, you know, people say like, yeah, I, I regret doing that. I wouldn't have done it, but when you look at a different perspective, you're like, well, maybe if you never did it, you wouldn't be where you're at today because that opened up something different for you. So as much as it was painful, like, is that something you look back on and be like, you know what, now I have a story to share and I could help others. And now I have this new approach where maybe I wouldn't have that piece of me, you know? Brian, that might be the question <laughs> that, that my lifetime is here to, uh, answer uh that that's a fascinating question i think um on a good day the answer is yes but um it is it's so interesting because i've wondered uh especially when i was approaching you know middle age like why am i still having these challenges in life and that's really what prompted the writing of the book if um i don't know if you were able to there's a section in the book where i um i'm walking home from the bus uh stop because my car got repoed and that's what you do when your car gets repoed. You, you learn a lot about the bus schedules in Los Angeles. Um, so I was walking home from the bus and I was just, just a moment of frustration in life. Everything on paper I had lost, you know, car repossessions, lost properties, credit score took a nosedive. I was probably in the worst shape of my life. And then um, I was just kind of like, yelling out, talking to God, like, did I have to lose everything to just get to be focused on you? And God's like, well, well, did you? And I thought, oh, wow, I, I didn't, I didn't know God sounded like that. In my head, God's like, I'm on this mountain, my son, and I'm here to help you. So, uh, and that began a conversation with, with God really that night. And I, I was just like, I just am so afraid to make money again. I just think I'm going to make another mistake with it. Cause that's what I keep, I've kept doing. And that was just such a revelation in the moment because I realized why is my past, why am I letting my past dictate my present and God forbid my future? Mm -hmm. And so that was the beginning, a uh, very powerful turning point in my life. And then what I did was I went home and I wrote almost the whole book in four days. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Was it more of a, 
did you feel like writing the book was more like a therapy session was kind of like getting it all out on paper? Yeah, I had no idea I was writing a book. And then I really feel like not to get too spiritual. I feel like God wrote the book and I was just the vessel really, but I didn't know I was writing a book. I I just wrote about my childhood. Then I was like, I'm going to write a letter to that version of myself and say everything I would have wanted to hear. And when I did that, that was one of the first times in my life where I felt so much heaviness of shame and guilt just start to lift. And then it kind of became exciting. I was like, I'm just going to keep writing. And um, then by the time I finished and came, pun intended, full circle, because the name of the book is Circle, it was just, um, I think it's the most healing thing I've ever done in my whole life. How, how when, when you said you wrote it for four days and then actually the publishing of it, what was the time frame between that? Ah, here's a secret. Uh, quite a while. So I wrote most of the book in four days. And then I wrote the last four chapters probably a year or two later. Um, well, no, maybe one year later. And then I started sending it out. So my experience in the music industry was I do not want to just be an independent uh, author. Like I've been an independent artist for so long. I want a big machine, a big company backing me and they handle all the marketing and the promotion. So I don't want to do what I did in the music industry. So I sent out query letters and um, I was rejected, I think over 260 times. I stopped counting. Wow. What I learned, I learned quite a few things by that. You know, writing a book and even writing a song, it's very different than writing a query letter. So that's its own talent. Um, So initially I was trying to write them myself and then I hired people to write the query letters. And I had a few publishing companies and agents reach out and say, we're kind of interested. But when that happened, then I felt, um, well, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to do with this book. I didn't want to do that whole releasing it myself. And then one of my favorite books of all time, I have quite a few, but one of them is The Alchemist. Have you ever heard of that book? I haven't, no. Oh, you got to read it. I'll send you one. The Alchemist is an incredible book about this man's journey in life. And what I learned about the book was it has since gone on to be one of the most successful books of all time. Um, The Alchemist was, when it was first released, it was very quiet for like a year or two. They were just slowly building a buzz. It is that type of book that if more and more people read it, and humbly, I think my book is like that, and people just start talking about it, it kind of creates more of an organic buzz. Um, And then one day someone read it and said they knew Oprah and they sent it to Oprah and she read it. She fell in love with it. It was on her book club and kind of the rest is history. It's been a bestseller in something like 40 countries translated into all these languages. And I, um, I realized, well, gosh, if that can happen with one of my favorite books, maybe I shouldn't be so afraid about going this independent route initially. And so that's what I've done so far. And, um, Happily, I will say the the reviews that are coming in are exactly what I had hoped for. People are just saying that it's just inspiring them in ways they didn't expect to look at their lives. And just, I think for me, I wrote the book because I wanted to know what freedom feel would feel like. I, I felt like I had been, and this is common of a lot of kids who had been abused in prison for so long. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I didn't feel like I was living my life. I felt like I was just kind of phoning it in. And um, I, I didn't want to feel that way ever again. And so to, to hear from people that it's touching them in those ways, I think is just, it's so inspiring to me. Did you end up, I, I thought I saw you did go with a publisher. So you end up finding one, right? It's, it's I own the publishing company. I started my own. Oh, there, oh, there yeah. you go. Look at you. Nice. Yeah, I learned that from the music industry too. <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm at I'm at this point now where if the buzz is built up and and I get an offer from a, a, a publishing company bigger than mine, um, I'll entertain it. But um, but I didn't want it to stop me from moving forward in life. And I think that's one of the the themes I kind of touch on in the book. And it's you know it was it was my own opportunity. Well, are you gonna are you just going to sit there and wait for stuff to happen? Or are you going to create it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it seemed like, and, and that seemed like it has been a theme. You know, I, I remember back you talking about, I, I thought was um, 
it was ironic. I remember, uh, you know, recently I, I let my son, I don't know why I did it, but I guess I'm, I'm fine with it now. But like, you know, a guest room in my, my new house, I just let him literally have one full wall to have like a wall art this summer, just paint whatever the heck he wanted. I just wanted to be creative. But one of the things I'm trying to expose into music, I put the Beatles, the Beatles. on. And I read in the book there that the Beatles was one of your influences early on, if I recall. Fact yeah. check me on that, but I thought you had, had mentioned that. And so circling back to what you just said, have you found, because it seemed like there was no musical influence in your life, but it was just listening to some other folks like the Beatles and others that ultimately maybe got you thinking about singing and, and liking doing that. Is that right? It's kind of like you had to do it yourself. Other people weren't pushing you. No, it's very true. Um, ironically, in my childhood, I think I, I remember when I was talking about the word shine, that um, I was a kid that showed a lot of promise, but if anything, in my household, I didn't want to cause any attention to myself. Even positive or negative, when I cause attention to myself, typically is when I would be abused. Mm. So music for me, there was no one in my immediate family that had any musical ability uh, naturally whatsoever. So I would, um, I would listen to records or the radio and I would just leave and go uh, walking through the woods or on my bike and just sing for hours and hours, just trying to memorize every single song, including the ones of the Beatles. Yeah. When did you, like, did you know you were good? Cause you're, you're, you're pretty darn good. You know, listen to some of the music, like you, you got a good Thank voice, you. but this is one of the, actually this, I'm going to go on a really big tangent because I just don't know. Do you feel like, like, were you good right off the bat or was it just because you sang a lot and got practice that you kind of, your vocals started to develop and that's when you got good. Like, I get, I don't know. So I'm kind of curious, like when you think of like a top, you know, talent that's out there singing, were they just right off the bat good? Or was it just because they learned how to develop the vocals as well that it ultimately led them to that next level? Right. Is that a weird question or? No, it's a great question. Um, I feel with everyone, um, you are a brand new artist until someone hears you. So they don't necessarily know that, hi, my first demo was in 1991, which is actually true. I was, um, oh my God, I was 20 at the time. But so in regards to, you know, discovering when you might have some talent, when I was 12, I tried out just because all my friends were trying out. I thought it was a joke. I tried out to be in the all city choir. And I sang the theme from the greatest American hero uh, that might be before your time. It was a great TV show though. And I sang it and the teacher literally went, she just, you know, I did, she had no idea that I could sing at all. Neither did I really. And her reaction, I was like, what, was that good? She's like, that was wonderful. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I still, I, I did go to the choir, but I still was very private about my talent. And then my senior year in high school, they had auditions and I sang this song, We've Got Tonight. And I sang it. And again, at, in high school, at the time, I was known as a very nerdy kid. Um, and I sang it, the two uh, women um, uh, seniors uh, that are my classmates, that they were the directors, and I sang for them and they had the same reaction. Like, we had no idea you could sing. And I was like, well, I wasn't, I, I don't know if I can. They were like, that was, an, that was amazing. And I got a solo in the show. That was my first performance ever. Yeah. Um, then after that, when I got into Berkeley College of Music, that's when it switched for me because I was going to school. I have no idea how I got into the school, but I sang yesterday by the Beatles. That was my audition. And um, they had me walk into this next room. And then the guy there said, do you know why you're in this room? And I was like, no, <laughs> I have no idea. He's like, you just got into the school. We're accepting you. And I was like, is this the acceptance room? And he said, yeah, you're here. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then when I just first semester of school, I would say to my classmate, hey, where's Joe? And they're like, oh, Joe's on tour with, with Pat Metheny for three weeks. And I'm thinking like, my classmates were so gifted. They would leave school to go on tour with artists. And here I am this, I had one year of training. And so that was the moment when I absolutely got intimidated. 
I thought, what the heck am I doing here? And I kept telling myself, it's okay. Like you're already in, <laughs> they're not going to kick you out. Just absorb as much as you can. But I think for me as a songwriter, I did feel a bit behind. I felt like these people, you know, they've been playing piano since they were three. And I was like, you know, my childhood, I was just trying to stay out of harm's way. And so um, I do feel like I kept learning even after I finished school. Were you writing songs, though, at all when you were younger? Or you didn't start that until college? I wrote my first song when I was 16. And then at Berkeley, uh, my major was actually songwriting. I have a degree in songwriting, which I think still to date, it's the only school in the country you can have a bachelor's degree in songwriting. But I wrote a lot while I was there and then just really continued writing after that point. When you talked about, so with the, and, and I guess I'm going back to the the child abuse and some of those struggles early on, like what, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, did you have any, when you were 12, 13, 14, because it was prior to really singing or knowing you can sing, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do in your life? I wanted to be safe. Yeah, that's the most honest answer. As far as, um, oh, that's such a great question. That literally made me emotional. I, I didn't, I couldn't see past what the experience was that I was encountering. So as far as the goals for that, I will say the first time I, I started dreaming, if you will, uh, senior year of high school, I decided to run the marathon. Um, and people thought I was nuts. And that was the first time in my life when I realized that people think you're crazy, you should probably run towards what you're trying to do. Um, yeah, and so, and I finished. And still to this day, I have no idea how I finished. I trained, but not, you know, it just, I made it, which was amazing. But, um, and that that's when I really started having this idea of, of dreaming for myself. I wasn't taught to do that. I wasn't taught that that was safe or appropriate. So, um, that's from, you know, from there running marathons to going to music school to moving to Los Angeles. And it's just, um, it really is one dream, uh, coming true after another. Yeah. Well, how did you get to the point? Uh, Cause this is, you know, really about the essence of getting started, you know, the fear and anxiety you talked about being intimidated, um, in college, how did you end up actually branching out and, being a solo artist and write songwriting and, and doing that for, I mean, you've been doing that for how long now, right? I mean, extended period, yeah. 20 years plus. What? So like, how did you get to that point of overcoming some of those obstacles? Was, was there any, was it just sheer luck? Did you go through any certain practices to actually build confidence? Anything you could share that you remember about those early days out in your mm. home? Um, well, one of the things I've done um, is not quit. And that's been actually super helpful. So even in the moments where I was, you know, on public assistance or sleeping on a friend's couch or, you know, just this idea of like, no matter what happens, I will not quit. And I think after like a few decades, you know, if, if you have some talent, you will, you will absolutely grow. Um, early on, I feel like just um, how I approached Berkeley was kind of like the marathon. I was like, do not quit you know, you're going to be just surrounded by people that they don't even mean to intimidate you, but I was intimidated so much. But um, early on, I did get some success, you know, with my first album, I started getting played on the radio and um, I got opportunities to perform and, and I toured New England for the first album. And it was just, I fell in love with it. I mean, it's just so exciting waking up in a different city and figuring out where, okay, where are we gonna eat? Where are we, what time do we have to do sound check? Um, who am I rehearsing with? It, all of that, I absolutely loved. Mm -hmm. It really felt like um, a journey. And especially for me with how I grew up and I, and I began the process of distancing myself from that limited mindset that I had growing up. So anything about journey, exploration, adventure, I was, I was all for it. And then this career that I chose I mean, it's one unknown after another, my goodness. If anyone is uncomfortable at all with when, wait, who's paying me when? If you, if being self-employed as an artist, uh, that's probably one of the most scary things you could do. 
financially. What's, uh, did you do you, cause you did a lot of song. Is there any, and I don't even, maybe I, maybe I should know this, but, um, from a songwriting standpoint, is there any songs that, that you wrote that have been big that we don't even know about? Like, did you get them out there? Did you sell them? Were they just for you? How, tell me about the songwriting side of it. Yeah. So, I mean, to answer your question, any big songs? No, not yet. I, some of my friends have won Grammys and have hit songs and mine have been, um, not that well known so far. I originally wanted to just write for other artists. I didn't have a big passion initially about being my own artist. And then I, when I graduated from college, I was like, well, I'm going to spend one year writing songs. And I had this lovely collection of songs and I wasn't selling them yet. And I was like, well, I'll just release them myself. That's why I became an artist initially kind of by default. Okay. And then I fell in love with the whole, oh man, I get to perform and meet people. I love meeting fans and just touring. I absolutely loved. I, I mean, you're just on like this, honestly, this huge vacation for like three, four, six months and it doesn't stop. It's kind of like you go on one of those cruises where you see the world. I mean, you just keep going. And so um, that's initially how it happened. But as of today, yeah, I've had some, my biggest song in a commercial, I had a song in a Bank of America commercial. That was just an amazing experience. Um, I've had artists record my songs um, and I've co-written with some artists. Some of my own songs have hit certain charts. Um, yeah, I don't feel done with any of it. Um, I still feel like I'm in process and, and it's just really, it's just fun for me at this point. How does, like, I hear this a lot with different music I listen to where it's like someone's like, yeah, so-and-so. I know there's like writing groups and stuff. You hear this a lot with like country music. Yeah. Um, but like, how do, like you write a song today, how do other artists find out about it? Is there like a pool that they pull from? Like, how does that work? I'm just, I'm curious. Yeah. I, don't, I have no idea. So it can happen a variety of ways. In my experience in Nashville with country music, you literally set up a time almost like a business meeting. We're going to write on Tuesday at 2 p.m. I'll see you there. And then you have to think, oh, my God, what if I'm not inspired Tuesday at 2 p.m.? But you show up and, you know, I'm a pretty spiritual guy. I was like, God, just, you know, let me think of something here. And so sure enough, if you vibe with the other person, you will hopefully write a hit song in two hours and then then you go on your way. And then um, there are writing groups where they automatically meet regularly, like every week. You might be scheduled a session where you're going in, excuse me, with like an artist and a producer and you're going into a recording studio and you're asked to write on the spot. And if the artist and the producer like it, they will go and record the song right then and there. And you're there for the session of recording it. And then if you have a song that you've written and you're not sure where to place it, then it kind of becomes more of a project management situation. You can get um, the same way that actors will get these daily leads of, um, I forget what they call it in that industry, but um, it will tell them all the auditions. Here's everything you can audition for. Whatever's appropriate for you, just send a video tape, you know, uh, and your headshot, et cetera. So with songwriters, um, you can get a sheet like once a month where it says, here's all the artists, all the commercials, all the TV shows looking for songs. Mm. And then past that, once you build relationships in the industry, if you have a song that's good for a particular artist or you think would be great on a particular TV show, if you know that A&R person or the manager, or you know who's the music supervisor for the TV show, you can just send it to them directly once you establish that relationship. So that's basically, I know there's a lot of different ways of how it can happen. And then you just kind of navigate if you write a song by yourself or with your songwriting partner and you're like, Oh, who should this go to? Then we just figure it out from there. And do you um, share as much as this as you, as you're, you're able to, but like, what do you sell it just outright? Or is there some, I, and I, I got to imagine like Spotify and everything these days, like the royalties that could potentially be for years, if it's a hit, mm -hmm. like how do you get compensated for that? Great. Is it a, yeah. So that varies too. So for example, um, I have learned how important ownership is. And that's one of the reasons I decided to release the book initially myself to maintain ownership um, and the rights until it's appropriate to relinquish some of those. So with a song, for example, 
Um, if an artist is going to record it, you will be paid as a songwriter, sometimes nothing up front. If you're the producer or if you're a songwriter who negotiates, um, you'll get paid something up front. And then every time it sells, you'll get a percentage. And then sometimes if they believe enough in the song, they will offer you a publishing deal, which very simply put means they'll pay you some money up front for a percentage of the future earnings. It's like an investment to them. And it's not such a bad thing because that means they have skin in the game. They want to see it succeed as much as you do. So if you place a song in a TV show or a movie, you just get paid a flat rate. Movie soundtracks were way big, like, you know, Whitney Houston, The Bodyguard, but they're not as popular now as they used to be. So you might get some money in the future, but it's basically that one nice big check. And the same with the commercial. If you get a song, like if my song is used in a Coca-Cola commercial or American Airlines, they'll pay what's called the licensing fee, which is the rights to use it in all their ads for like two or three years. I still retain all the rights of the song, but I'm allowing them to use it for that amount of time. That's basically all the, the those are the general ways that you can get paid. Hmm, interesting. Which varies so much about the project, the budget, and how much you negotiate. What do you think's been, um, what do you think's been the hardest part of your journey? And obviously we know about the childhood stuff, but let's take your kind of professional career. What's been the hardest part that you've gone through, you've endured? Oh, okay. If we could perhaps go back and edit that, because I, that, I couldn't hear what you Could you please ask that Yeah, again? you're breaking up again, Elliot. That's okay. That's all right. We'll, we'll um I was saying is, you know, kind of let, let's take your professional journey. Obviously we know about a lot of the hurdles as a child, but what would you say is kind of the hardest part of, and you could take it from an artist or songwriter, maybe it's even what you're doing now. What's kind of been the hardest thing that you've endured over the last 15, 20 years, um, you know, that you would mm. kind of point out? Well, uh, there's been a lot of rejection. So as a, in the music industry, you know, you send out a song to someone and you don't, you don't always get an email back. Hey, thank you so much for sending this. Um, we uh, love what you wrote. It's not great for this, but hey, stay in touch. Most of the time you hear like, you know, that tumbleweed, tumbleweeds. I have been rejected in the music industry over 6,000 times at this point. So when I had the struggles with releasing the book, I was like, that's nothing, <laughs> 200 times. Right. Like, I'm not going to quit. So actually, thank God, because... Yet, had I not had so much challenge breaking through in music, maybe the book I'm like, screw this, I'm done. Um, and then I think for me, the lack of focus. Um, this probably is some type of PTSD. I, I've done a lot of personal work over the years, but I think with my childhood, the idea of just being in a, a safe space um, where I'm surrounded by healthy, positive people um, that keep encouraging me to just stay focused, um, and keep going after what's going to make me better and better and more successful. Hmm. You talk about personal development. Is there, what did you go through? Was it therapy? Was it, were there books you read, exercises you went through, anything you'd share that was helpful on the personal development side? Yes. I, I don't know that there's anything I haven't done or tried. Um, I absolutely um, had gone to therapy for a few years. I had a few life coaches over the years. I read a lot. Oh my goodness. I read every book I could get my hands on, not just self-help books, but honest, um, one of my favorite books is Think and Grow Rich, which in my opinion is kind of like a self-help book, yeah. but it was written a hundred years ago. My other, oh, is it right here? It's right over there. The Game of Life was written in the 1920s by Florence Chin. One of the most powerful books probably my favorite book of all time. And everything she says is so valid still today. I think a lot of the self-help inspirational authors are kind of just channeling her in a sense. But um, one of my biggest practices today is affirmations. I actually have in my phone every 30 minutes or so a different affirmation. So every day I just say them out loud and my phone gives me the reminders. Um, between the affirmations and meditation and going to church, I feel like I am now empowered to kind of tackle each day as opposed to feeling like the day's attacking me. And so I think the affirmations, the check-ins throughout the day 
It's very helpful for someone like me. And so if I do have a challenging phone call, just yesterday, I had a very challenging phone call. Um, and I had one of my um, peers on the call with me, uh, someone who I just started working with. And I was so proud of how I handled myself in a very unpleasant situation. And I just breathed. And I was like, actually, that doesn't work for me. And I wish you all the best. And I thought, whoa, that is growth. Because I'm from Boston. So, I mean, back in the day, that reaction would have been so different. I used to curse like a sailor, too. It just, oh, my God, my reaction. I, I, I'm a different person today. Thank God. Um, but all of those combined, I think, is what's helped me showing up every day to my life. And... Um, and just enjoying the process of this book and and not being afraid of it. Mm, yeah. With the affirmations, do you, just to, to pry deeper, do you actually put the affirmations in and then the reminder comes up for you to say it? Or when the reminder comes up, you just, there's an affirmation you're saying to yourself over and over. I, I'll, just to get some clarity there. Oh, no, yeah, I'll show you. No, so um, it's all... Um, they're all list. I list them as appointments in my phone. So every day, like 9 a.m., this is always the one I start with. Um, wait, there we go. So it's thy will be done this day. Today is a day of completion. I give thanks for this perfect day. Miracle shall follow miracle and wonders shall never cease. Look with wonder at that which is before you. That's a quote from the Florence Shin book, uh, The Game of Life. And so if I set it up as an appointment with a reminder an alert at the time of the event every morning at 9 a.m. This will just pop up mm. and I say it out loud and, and I literally have them from 9 a.m. to about 8 p.m. at night. After 8 p.m. I feel like I'm good. I'm just going to chill out and watch the Food Network. So that's a good idea, though. I like that. The reminders there because it almost makes it intentional. It's like, yes, yeah, I have to get I have to see it um, yes. and I have to say it. So that's yeah, that's pretty neat. Um is there any other books that you'd recommend? Yeah, obviously, The Game of Life, that's pretty... I, I've never heard of that. That's one I got to check Oh, my out. goodness. Anything else you'd, you'd recommend? Um, I would recommend Think and Grow Rich to people, which was written by... Um, the Napoleon Hill. Thank you. Yep. Um, such a fascinating book. And he actually talks so much about how we think and who's in our circle. And he talks about having a, a board of directors that you talk to every day. Um, those two, there's this other book called Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, which irregardless if people are of a religious background or, or, or spiritual background or not, the book is so fascinating. He, um, similar to someone I know, um, he was having a very challenging moment in life and he was just so frustrated so he started writing down these questions that he really just life questions he wanted answers to. And then God, as, as he says, God started talking to him and answering the questions. So the whole book is about the questions he asked and the answers he got downloaded to him from God or higher power. And the answers were some of the most fascinating reading I've ever done. I was just so shocked at how honest and direct God is. And again, like the, you know, my mindset is God doesn't sound like your friend or your homie, but you know, and God's like, bro, I love you. How are you today? I, I would never in a million years expect um, that voice to come through. And so he ended up releasing a trilogy of books and that it was a bestseller for years and years. And it was such an inspiring read. I'd recommend that as well. So what's the, with the book, where where can everyone find it? Is it on Amazon, I'm assuming? Anywhere else? Is it on your website? Where, where's the best place for people to find the book? Yeah, so my book, uh, at the moment, it's available solely on my website, which is thecircleletter.com, thecircleletter.com. And I would love to give um, uh, a coupon code to anyone listening uh, that they can enjoy on the website, which would just be uh, circle20, circle20. Awesome. I'll put that in the uh, the show notes. Yes. Thank you. Is there a reason? I, I'm, I'm going to pry because because obviously I just launched my first children's book. I have my second one coming mm -hmm. out. Is there um, is there re any reason that you're solely doing on your website? You haven't went to the Amazons of the world or anything like that? Any particular reason yet? Or Yes, Brian. Uh, <laughs> a few. So it's just been my experience. I'd rather just um, build the buzz 
from the one website. And then when I feel it's appropriate, I, I'm a person that I love reading. Um, so this is the book, it's a hardcover. So I love no, touching right. books and reading books. And so initially I wanted it to just be in that form. And I appreciate there's a lot of people that um, do enjoy things like um, Audible and, and eBooks, et cetera. And at some point it will be available uh, in those forms. But for now, I really just wanted people to get the actual book in their hands. Well, I was wondering, are you going to do an audiobook? It seems like a great, it would be a great audiobook to tell the stories. Yes. A lot of people have asked me for that. And I, I think I would like to do that one day. Yeah. Um, is there a, because uh, I've looked at, because obviously I used Amazon and, and even with books for going forward, right? They only do paperback. So with the hardcover, who can you, can I ask what company you use for the hardcover? I'm just curious what. Yes, indeed. Um, and that, I agree with you, boy, that was, um, a journey finding people that would do that and say, we remember our books used to look like this. So, um, I ended up going with a very small, um, book manufacturer. It's called TPS total printing services. And it's in Newton. See, I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts, so I was attracted to this company because they're in Newton, but I have to look if it's either Newton, Pennsylvania or Newton, Illinois. It's in Newton, but it's in a different state, and I have figured, well, that's a sign. So I talked to them, and they were so helpful, and the book looks beautiful, and that's one of the things people say, like, oh, my God. I, I remember the books used to, you know, I feel like book is, it's a form of art. So um, we had a wonderful... Uh, Actually, my friend Quincy Macklin designed the cover um, and just redid the back cover too. And um, I wanted it to be just an artistic expression. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I had a chance to to look through it. I think it's a great. Um, I, I just I'm, and I almost can tell. You know, you're you're a storyteller, right? You you write you write. Uh, song so it's like that storytelling mentality is in the book form which is kind of cool um so i think a lot of folks will uh will take a lot away from there is there one you can share more than one but i always like to ask you know if you had to go back to your younger self you got to go back to that six-year-old that nine-year-old there's a lot of insight in that book um, that you could kind of pull from is there one really key point maybe it's a quote it could be anything that you would share with that younger that younger self knowing what you know now oh my goodness um that's such a beautiful question you know it reminds me of what you asked a few minutes ago about you know do i in any way regret what i went through and so it's hard because i feel like i um there's still if i'm being really authentic and transparent, yes, there's still parts of me that regret. Um, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. What I do appreciate that it's part of my life's purpose today because of what I went through to share it because I want to help others um, not live with so much shame and, and have their hearts broken. And if I can save them, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, then, then that's an amazing gift. So um, as far as what I would say to my younger self, um, I would just tell myself how special I think I am. So pretty common um, with someone who's gone through what I've gone through. You know, if you think about like the parents, how they're supposed to um, tell you, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're such a good boy. You're doing a great job. And then have physical demonstrations of that, a hug or a high five, you know, and do that daily. You know, the average kid might get, 30,000 positive affirmations from age, you know, four to 18. So what I realized not having that, my dad first told me he loved me when I was 27. And honestly, at the time, I kind of just didn't believe it. Um, it was a little too late for me. Um, but I feel like we live in such a fast paced world today and we're taught to be pretty impatient about things. So what I learned was Okay, so if there were a lot of lessons I didn't get growing up or affirmations for 15, 20 years, I cannot expect myself to go through a 90-day crash course and just be empowered and loving my life in two months. That, that's insane. And so initially when I started reading books um, and talking to certain professionals, I felt like this might take me a minute. And that was the most freeing thing, that there's no rush. There's no rush. 
towards self-discovery and recovery and, and learning about self-esteem and self-love, that's a completely a journey. I'm still on the journey. Um, I'm the happiest today I've ever been in my whole life, but I, I appreciate I'm 100% on the journey. Did, did, uh, did your dad ever share why he abused you? Uh, no, if you ask, well, my dad passed away, um, nine years ago and I was just not close to my dad. It wasn't, um, a relationship where we had a lot of close conversations. Yeah. Um, no, the, there were two times in my life I brought it up to my dad and he denied that I was abused. Hmm. His mindset was, well, one of the things I've learned in life, especially with my dad, is I don't talk on behalf of other people or feel like I need to explain. Because first of all, I realized that that really doesn't work and that it comes from a people-pleasing place, which I try to not do. But um, I have no idea is the most honest answer. But um, um, I have no idea what his reasoning was. And... I can only imagine, I will say this, I can only imagine how much pain my father was in. I did learn later on in life, he was in, he served in the army. Um, and so my mother passed when I was 15, she had cancer and she had been sick for many years. So unfortunately she just wasn't um, physically able. She was, my memories of my mom were she was um, on medications or treatments and, and she just wasn't really there. But um, unfortunately, but what I learned was both my parents lost a parent when they were each six years old. My mom's mom passed from cancer when my mom was six. My dad's father died of something to do with his heart. I'm not exactly sure still to this day, but they both came from a home with a broken heart. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I appreciate that they they absolutely did the best they can. And I know I try to reiterate that multiple times in the book. Like I didn't want to write a book, I hate my dad. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to attack him. Not at all. I simply just wanted to try and feel some freedom and grace in my spirit. But it was slightly helpful to realize that they both came from a place of, there was brokenness there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's always that, you know, we want to do better for the next generation and, and that kind of thing. And you're kind of learning as much as, yeah, no one condones what your dad did. And, and even same like looking at my parents, you know, cause it, what resonated with me when you mentioned like, you know, like the hugs and not, you know, dad not saying he loved you. Like I still today, my fortune, my dad's still around and, and we have a good relationship, but I don't, I don't remember him saying he loves me. I still to this day, I don't even think he does. Um, he doesn't even say it. So it's like, but that's, that was his upbringing. Like he came from that, you know, that, that was like back then. I, so like, I don't put too much like stock into that. I was like, that's just how it was. That's how he was. And I have to be able to get over that almost and be like, that's okay. Because yeah. he was, he's, he lived in a different world than I live in kind of thing, you know? Um, so I think that's, I think that's very, um, I don't know what the best word to say, I guess, mature of you to say, I'm not going to hate on my dad because this is, he went through a lot. And, and, and I, even though you don't condone it, I kind of understand of why he could have done something like that. You know, I don't know if that makes sense or not. But. Well, it, you raise such a, it's such an interesting perspective because what I learned was if I continue with my dad or anyone in life, but honestly, especially my dad, mm -hmm. um, I'm so mad at you. I'm, I hate you. I'm, I'm so upset with what you did and how you chose to live your life. That, especially because my father's no longer here, uh, he's here in spirit, but that's all about me. Mm -hmm. I'm literally hanging on to that and just living my life in it. And that doesn't serve me in any way. It actually keeps me small and it keeps me the same. And I wanna break free from as much of that as I can. So it's a version of forgiveness that I realized I'm forgiving that person so I feel more complete. Oh yeah, I am so appreciative of you coming on. I'm so one. I'm so tickled that you wrote this book to share it with a lot of people. But it seems like yourself, you've kind of helped you get through your journey a little bit. You know, happier as you said, being in the in the happiest you've been. So, um, I know people can go to thecircleletter.com. Where else can they say hello to you? Any anywhere else online you'd uh, recommend? Yeah. So I feel like um, Instagram and Facebook. I'm there a lot. So it's just my name. 
Ellie Popkin. Interesting spelling. So Ellie's just one of everything. I've had to say that my whole life. E-L-I-O-T. People just always want to add extra. Yeah. That's Elliot Popkin, P-K-I-N. That's my name on Instagram and my name on Facebook. And then if you go to ElliotPopkin.com, um, that's the main website that's more geared to everything I'm doing musically. Awesome. And, I, and I'll share that all in the, uh, in the show notes. Um, Elliot, thanks again for, uh, for joining. This was a lot of fun. Oh, truly. It was my pleasure. Uh, your questions were amazing. And um, thank you to you and all of your listeners. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day, You know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years, and it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, And I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So, I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. I'm happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianondraco.com, or connect with me, I'm at brianondraco basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there, uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.